Hello and welcome back to the Being Cherish podcast, a podcast for the Chinese Irish community and other minority communities in Ireland to share their stories. We provide a platform for underrepresented voices, and I am your host, Diana Chung, a filmmaker from Derry. If you are new to the podcast, a very big welcome to you. Please check out our other episodes. If you are a returning listener, thanks so much for the support so far. We have been overwhelmed by the kind messages and feedback. For this episode, we are changing it up a little. So instead of having a guest interview, we have been searching across the country for stories that we can share on this episode. So if you follow us on Facebook, you will know that we have been asking people from the Cherish community they send us in some of their experiences and stories about growing up and living in Ireland as a member of the community. And we are delighted to be able to share some of those stories in this episode. So some people have been asking about how I started this journey to podcasting. And I've realized I haven't really been chatting so much about myself in the previous episodes. So I can take this opportunity to chat more about me and my journey and how I ended up developing this Being Cherish podcast and how it all began. I'll try my best not to bore people. So most people know I am from Derry, born and bred. So I was born in the 80s. And how did my family end up here? How did my parents, who are originally from Hong Kong, end up in Derry in the 1970s? Why did my parents choose Derry out of all the places that they can emigrate to? And why on earth did my parents settle in Northern Ireland? during the Troubles. The height of the Troubles, all great questions. So basically, my grandfather, my dad's dad, was here in Derry in the late 1960s. I don't have many memories or any memories actually of him being here because he actually returned to Hong Kong shortly after he came here. And I think I was too young to remember that or maybe I wasn't born yet. Those details are not clear, but I do know that he opened a Chinese restaurant in Foy Street in Derry. And for people who don't know where that is, that is the city centre of Derry. It was already a Chinese restaurant called Chopsticks, would you believe? So my grandfather wasn't even the first person to open a Chinese restaurant in the city. It was already a Chinese restaurant called Chopsticks. And it was owned by a man called Johnny Fan. Unfortunately, Johnny Fan passed away a good few years ago. And he was one of the original Chinese immigrants that settled in Derry. It would have been so amazing to have connected with him and have heard his story and how his journey began, how he ended up here. But unfortunately, that story really hasn't been told. In general... The first generation of Chinese immigrants to Northern Ireland, their stories have not really been told as such. And the fear for me is the stories will die out with that generation. And that would be just heartbreaking. And I think it's time that these stories from the first generation are are told, archived, so that the stories are not lost. So... Chopsticks became Chinigarn in 1973 as a result of fire damage done to Chopsticks because of an explosion. Now, I did some research on that to check if the restaurant had been bombed during the Troubles in 1973 
and I think I was told it was March 1973. So I did a little bit of research and checked the the archives, and I didn't find anything specific about the restaurant. But I know that there was a lot of bombings in 1973. So I did find that there was a bombing near or on Foy Street in that same month in March 1973. So. I can sort of put two and two together and find out that the restaurant was fire damaged because of a nearby explosion. So my grandfather took it over, changed its name to Cheney Garden. And that's how my father and his two brothers ended up in Derry. They ran the restaurant during the 70s and 80s. So it was my my two uncles and my father. And in the early days, my grandfather, before he returned to Hong Kong, And funny enough, my mother and father-in-law later told me that they were always in the Cheney Garden back in the day, in the 70s and 80s. They actually said they never left the place. They loved it. And it was the place to be back in the day. And they actually remember my grandfather, or who we think is my grandfather, because they remember an older gentleman that was small in height, but he was a little heavy. And... He wore glasses, so we think it's my grand granddad. So how mad is that? My uh, mother-in-law and father-in-law remember my granddad in the restaurant before, obviously, I knew them. So I also seen some Facebook pages to do with Derry back in the day, Derry in the past. And there was a photograph of the Cheney Garden restaurant in the 70s. And there was a lot of comments from the locals saying that it was the place to be. They were never out of it. And it was a place that people had their dates. You know, they went there after or before nightclubs or the cinema, uh, after the bar. And I suppose there wasn't, like eating out wasn't a big thing back then. So, you know, it was affordable and it was different. It was food that they didn't grow up with. It was food that was a little different, even though the food, the Chinese food, obviously everyone knows has been kind of, westernized or europeanized so you would have been able to get steaks and chips peas and gravy and those kind of things sausages and chicken balls those are all quite westernized food so it was a very popular place for people in the 70s and 80s so that's basically how my parents journey to dairy started and like a lot of immigrants we actually lived above the restaurant so i don't have any memory of living above the restaurant I was a baby when we moved to a proper house but I see but I've seen photographs of my mum and my older brother and me living above the restaurant and yeah I can only imagine how crap that would have been for her to raise two young children in a bedroom above a restaurant with no proper facilities like a proper kitchen or you know bathroom facilities and sharing with other families and staff members and it must have been pretty shit but we didn't stay there for long I think we moved to a proper house then when I was maybe two years old or so fast forward some decades on how the podcast idea originated so last year during the lockdown I know I know there has been so many podcasts started during the lockdown so this is not an original thing A lot of podcasts were birthed during the pandemic out of sheer boredom or people with, you know, a different perspective of life and wanted to share. People have more time in their hands. They become creative and wanted to start up podcasts. So, yeah, I was one of those people, although I didn't start right away because 
procrastinating is one of my favorite things to do so it took a while for me to gather the momentum and the courage and to put to bed some self-doubt that kept me from starting up this podcast so basically for me I was developing a a documentary film just before the world changed because of the COVID-19 pandemic I was in my element I was chatting to people from the Chinese community I was out and about you know trying to meet people and then all of a sudden we were all told to stay home and we couldn't meet anybody so the research sort of fell away for a few months but when I realized that we were not able to go out and about anytime soon last summer I re-evaluated the research strategy so I started using Facebook again which was a massive step for me because I was out of the loop when it came to social media for me speaking about personal experiences is quite an intimate and personal thing so you know whatsapp messaging or messenger or phone calls or zoom calls it, it just wasn't the same but like everybody else we had to adapt yeah it, it it took some adjusting it felt awkward contacting people at the start that I didn't know and as I said it took some adapting and thankfully it really was such a, a really rewarding process because I have met incredible people online just by reaching out on Facebook groups and messaging people and telling you know people what I was trying to do and trying to connect with people in that way it really was rewarding because as you know if you've been listening to the other episodes I have met some incredible friends during that time and they're genuine friends that I feel that will be in my life forever. Friends that I've met online are friends that I have more in common with than people I have known for a long time and that was a real positive thing that came out of that research period. Anyway so here I was chatting to people from my community mainly second generation like myself like Irish born Chinese people who had to navigate this dual identity and culture and their parents were immigrants and worked in the food and the Chinese food industry and had limited language skills English language skills and had a different culture so a lot of people I did chat to were second generation so as time went by I had the privilege to hear people's stories and the film documentary wasn't picked up straight away it was disappointing of course but I didn't let it dampen my passion for representing my community it's no secret that diversity in media is problematic it's not a revelation to say the Chinese community and other ethnic minorities have had no voice in the mainstream media. And I'm chatting TV, film and even politics, etc. So as time went on, my film was more and more stagnant. I was still meeting incredible people with really important stories to tell. And it was really then I thought it would be silly of me to wait for someone to allow me or commission my work to let the stories be heard I wouldn't be doing the people that I've met any justice by sitting with these stories and doing nothing about it just because my film wasn't being commissioned at that moment in time it didn't feel right to wait for someone who isn't from a minority background and doesn't really quite understand the importance of representation because they themselves are well represented. So it didn't feel right waiting for someone to okay my work. 
So that is basically how Being Cherish, the podcast, was birthed earlier this year. So here we are. That's the story of the Being Cherish podcast and how we initiated this project. Here we are in episode five, me rambling on about it. The podcast has been in the pipeline for longer than I hoped. And all the self-doubt can get in the way. Things like who will listen, who will care, you know, who would want to go on a public platform and share their personal stories. Will this help people? Those kind of things obviously came into mind. But anyway, those things are pretty normal. Putting yourself in a vulnerable position, having a voice, allowing other people to have a voice and sort of being up for scrutiny. Anyway, as time went on, other things were happening in the world that... It was like a daily experience watching the news, watching videos being shared on social media platforms. The anti-Asian racism was getting pretty bad in America. It was a daily occurrence. It was not just verbal abuse anymore. It was physical and violent attacks. A lot of it was towards the elderly Asian American population and that was very hard to watch. That was very that touched some nerves the older population from not even just the Chinese community it was different Asian communities in America it didn't matter what your nationality or ethnic background was it was random attacks on elderly people and reading these or watching these shared videos on social media was very very upsetting and it was obviously as a result of the pandemic a lot of people And a lot of media propaganda blamed the Chinese community for COVID-19 pandemic. And obviously it's no secret that Trump had no problems calling it the China virus or the Chinese virus and labeling the virus and and blaming a section section of the community for the pandemic. So a lot of anti-Asian racism increased at that time. So yes, it was a big problem in America, but... In saying that, it wasn't just America that it was happening. There's a lot of anti-Asian racism in Australia, some parts of UK, and it wasn't, you know, it was across the world. It wasn't just a specific country. To be honest, it was, it came to the point where I felt that I couldn't just do nothing. It's it's very easy to do nothing. It's very easy to ignore the problems that's happening to people who look like you. It's very easy to say, oh, it's just in America, it's not happening here. Turning a blind eye did. Another thing that happened as a result of the increase in anti-Asian racism, in the British East Asian community, a lot of organisations came together and started to support each other, started to find ways of of supporting the community and sharing the information and raising awareness because it was also happening in the UK as well. So it came to the point where I couldn't sit back and do nothing. And although I'm not making a massive difference in any way, I'm not claiming that this podcast is making a massive difference. It's my small contribution to help represent my community. And if I can just do that, it would help the community have a voice and it's in the small contributions through our podcast we can help connect people help people stay curious and open minds we can help break barriers we can dismantle negative stereotypes so that's really how it all started and the being cherished podcast born about a month ago and i'm very happy and relieved that we have been well received by not only the chinese community 
but from other communities as well and it's all it makes it all worthwhile it really helps me keep motivated and inspired to continue to connect people from all walks of life and to help people have a voice in telling their story you know it makes people feel that they matter I want to take this opportunity to mention other podcasts that have been a source of inspiration for me podcasts by people from other Asian communities, the British East Asian community and the Asian American communities. So a number of podcasts I want to mention that help pave the way for this podcast. I wanted to mention But Where Are You From by Fevyao originally and now it reformed as the Be Seen podcast. I want to mention Chinese Chippy Girl, Yellow Bee Pod, Feeling Asian and of course Rise to Meet You. There's no way I could would be sitting here with my own podcast if it wasn't for those guys paving the way for me and inspiring me and motivating me to just get on it and do it. So, moving on. Delighted to be sharing some of the messages we have been receiving. Someone sent us a message to say that they loved the first episode with Alex Chung. Alex, as you know, is my brother and... They said it was great to hear about the media industry from his perspective and they found the conversation quite fun and they really enjoyed it. There has been lots of feedback about the first episode actually and the comment about where I knew I wasn't Catholic so I thought I must be Protestant (laughs) was one of the comments that I think has provoked the most laughter. Um, Lots of people have been getting back to me saying that they find that very funny. I think growing up in Northern Ireland, there are things that are, you know, very specific to the culture here. So that was pretty funny for a lot of people. Someone messaged me and said that they're from a very small village in the south of Ireland, just outside Dublin. Her dad is Chinese and from Hong Kong and her mom is Irish. And this person said, I felt isolated and I had a real difficult relationship with my parents and a very difficult relationship with identity. But now as an adult, she feels that things have changed gradually. But she still says that I think that there's issues here with racism that is being ignored. And thank you for sending that in. I completely agree that there is issues with racism in Ireland that isn't being addressed. For whatever reason, I think in general, we like to think of Ireland as a diverse and welcoming to other ethnic minority groups type of country. I think with the lack of diversity in politics in the country can, you know, sometimes issues like racism and immigration are not top of the agenda. Another comment here about growing up in Ireland It was difficult as a child, especially in school days, because I was the only Chinese person apart from my brothers in the school. I felt really awkward, shy and introverted. And I'm in my 30s today and I feel the same way. I feel I also am still very introverted. I have built a career around something that didn't involve meeting too many people because of the shyness. Thank you for sending that in. Um... I suppose there is a common thread among the community when they were growing up as a a Chinese person who was visibly different from a lot of their schoolmates. 
it meant that you know fitting in was a priority so you know being loud and being seen and being heard was not a priority because you're too busy trying to fit in and not know and too busy trying to not get noticed you want to feel that sense of belonging so you are not going to draw attention to yourself so there's lots of people I've spoken to about that it's quite a it's a quite a common theme making yourself small making yourself quiet so that you don't draw attention to yourself is quite a common thing thank you for sharing that with us another funny story actually this is someone shared a story about when she met her now well he's her husband now but when they first met so she's Chinese and he is Irish should I say she is from a Chinese background but she was born in Ireland so she's Chirish and he is Irish and I think he's from Dublin when she said when they first met they were both at university they met in a pub they were dating for a while and they went on a trip and in the airport when they were queuing up for the departure she pulled out her British passport so her boyfriend was like are you a spy? <laughs> because she was Chinese looking with a thick southern accent and she had a British passport. So obviously that to him didn't add up. So that that was back in the day when they were dating. I hope things like that don't happen these days. I think youngsters now are a little bit more woke. Someone else wrote in the most difficult thing about being from the Chinese community is seeing the discrimination against our parents because our English is very poor and they find it difficult to understand how things work. They obviously moved to this country not knowing the language and the culture, basically how things work. So when we were growing up, I had to take on a lot of the responsibilities, taking care of the family, helping translate at appointments, filling out official forms, reading all the official letters that came through and dealing basically with everything. I was very young and I felt I had to grow up very fast. That issue is actually very, very common here. That issue is very common with a second generation because as this person said, parents didn't know English, didn't read or write English, spent most of their days and evenings in a takeaway kitchen or restaurant kitchen. So limited language skills meant that they had to rely on their kids for translating things. So yeah, that's pretty, that's been an issue that I can certainly resonate with. Another person shared, I didn't feel like I belonged here or in Hong Kong where my parents are from. We went back literally every summer to Hong Kong to spend time with our cousins, our aunties and uncles. And I felt that we were being judged for being too westernized. So we were like different in our own home country, which is Ireland. And then when we went back to Hong Kong where we looked like everybody else, we were different culturally, so it was very it was very difficult to feel part of any community and as if that we were never good enough. I am mixed race and I never felt any different. So somebody has wrote, I am mixed race and I never felt any different when I was in primary school. But it wasn't until I went to high school that I felt very different. I wasn't perceived as a white person. I was seen as different. But in general, I was treated fairly well. I wished I could speak better Cantonese though so I could have the option to move to Asia later in life. I'm learning bits and pieces now but not good enough to get away with holding a proper conversation. That's a massive issue as well for people who are growing up with dual identities. Language is a huge thing and you know it takes a lot of energy and effort to teach your kids two languages because life's busy and 
especially if one parent is from a Chinese background and the other parent is from English-speaking, Irish background or whatever, it's very difficult to incorporate two languages in an everyday situation and it takes a lot of graft to be able to do that. So if anyone listening has very hard on themselves for not being able to speak the language of their parents, one of their parents, both their parents, I would say don't be so hard on yourself. It's not easy embracing dual identity and it's never too late to learn. Thanks so much to everyone for reaching out to us with their stories and comments. We loved hearing from you. Please help us share the podcast on Facebook, Being Chirish, and we are now also on Instagram, finally. So check us out there. I will put the links on the show notes. The next episode, we are delighted to announce our guest will be Eve Lee, a London girl of Hong Kong immigrants and now an adopted Chirish who resides in the beautiful county Donegal. Find out how she ended up here in Ireland and how her fascination with death landed her a place to produce an original play with the Anne Greenan Theatre. Thanks for listening, as always, and bye for now.